So finding back into your posture after the walking. And seeing if you can connect with a sense of ease in your posture. What would bring more ease into your posture right now? You can do a quick scan through the body and see if there are areas where you hold tension that can be released easily. So two days ago, Dori started us with the practice of loving kindness for ourselves. And I want to continue and deepen that exploration in our practice session today. And focus a little bit more on self-compassion. So loving-kindness and compassion, they're not two different things. As Philip was mentioning yesterday, loving-kindness is kind of the base feeling that is there, that we cultivate. And then compassion is the response of loving-kindness when it encounters suffering. So it's a turning towards towards suffering, like a hand reaching out. And so I just want to um, start by breaking different parts of um, self-compassion down. And one definition of self-compassion is that it has three main components. And I explain them and then I'll guide us through practice of self-compassion. So, and this is according to Kristin Neff, who is a Um, self-compassion researcher. And the first one is mindfulness. Mindfulness is becoming aware of pain. Becoming aware of pain. So you all, we all have been doing this over the last couple of days, becoming aware of pain, right? Here's the pain. We just see it. And we say yes to it. Not, yes, I like you, but yes, you are here. Yes, you're part of my experience right now. And that is an important step. Very important step. And Philip calls that feeling the ouch of a pain or feeling the ouch of dukkha. 
But this is just the first step. The second step or the second part is called shared humanity or common humanity. And what does that mean or why is that really important? Um, I think a good example for that that came to my mind was um, Jack was telling um, a story from a conference that uh, he went to and in the big conference, a couple of thousand people in the room. And at the end of the conference, he opened it up to a Q&A. And a woman stepped up and she was desperate. And she was in tears and she shared that just a couple of weeks earlier, her partner had committed suicide. And Jack looked at her and then looked at the entire room and asked everybody to stand up whose life had ever been touched by suicide, by a friend, by a colleague, by a patient, anybody. And about half of the room rose. And he made the woman at the microphone turn around and look at the room and all the people in the room looking back at her. That is shared humanity. That is shared humanity. You can imagine what happened to that woman, right? She was collapsing into her pain, which is so understandable, but which really disconnects us from everybody else and everybody else who might have a similar experience or ever had a similar experience. And when we open up to that, then suddenly something can shift and there can be more space in that experience. It doesn't make the pain go away, but it does shift something and it opens it up. And this is also why self-compassion is very different from self-pity. So often we get confused there or we don't want to practice it because it feels like, oh no, I don't want to focus on my own pain because that is like drowning in self-pity. No, self-pity is exactly the opposite. It's a contracting around the pain that says like, oh, why me? And nobody gets this and this is just me and this is not fair, right? And we collapse, we collapse around the pain. And if we're opening up to this aspect of the shared humanity, something quite miraculously can happen. Because what we do is we join, we join with all the other women, the other men who have ever gone through the same thing. And so in a way we're opening up into this brotherhood or sisterhood of this shared pain. And the way that we use this is we might say or use a phrase is, this is just what it feels like. This is what it feels like for a man, for a woman, for a mother, for a father, for a lover, for whatever to experience this. And there's nothing wrong with that. This is just what it feels like. And then the third step or the third part is friendliness or kindness to ourselves, towards ourselves. And that is something we can think about, like what would be helpful in this moment? What would we need to hear? Like what would we offer to a friend, 
to somebody we love who was in that situation. And very often it's actually not a word because often with this kind of pain, there's nothing that can be said. But it can be a look, it can be a gesture, it can be just, yeah, this feeling felt, feeling seen, feeling hurt in our pain. So these three steps, so again, mindfulness, being aware of the pain, yes, this hurts, this is painful, or this was painful. Second one is the shared um, humanity, and the third step is the kindness, extending kindness to ourselves. And um, I'm going to lead us through a short practice of this, so you can get a sense of... um, how to do that so it is portable and you can bring that into your practice and to your days here. And then there's another aspect to it which is really helpful and it has been mentioned a little bit here and I've seen many of you actually practicing some version of that which is what we call supportive touch. It's not a great expression but (laughs) that's um, as good as it gets right now. So the idea behind that is that as um, the human species, as mammals, we actually thrive on physical contact, on well-meant supportive physical contact. And there are a lot of studies showing that just a supportive touch, like a hand on the shoulder, or there are many studies like when your partner holds your hand or a friend or a close family member holds your hand when you're exposed to pain, makes it better, right? I, we actually don't need research um, in order to confirm that. We all know that, right? And so there is something, there isn't actually research on that yet, and I'm really waiting for that to come out. But it makes a lot of sense, and it's definitely my experience, that if we can touch ourselves in a supportive way, that it also releases oxytocin. I would bet money on that. (laughs) And so we can make use of this, and oxytocin is the connection hormone, right? So what I would want us to do is just experiment a little bit with that by trying different ways how we can use supportive um, touch for ourselves. Like the classical thing that we often do with the metta here is just the one hand over the heart. But there are actually um, other ways we can do that. And then I will lead us through um, these three steps of self-compassion. Okay. So let's find a comfortable posture. And closing your eyes if that feels comfortable. And let's just start out by trying a couple of different ways how to support ourselves by with touch. So let's start by just putting one hand over the chest, over the heart. And just taking a moment and letting that register in your body, noticing. Noticing what that feels like. And noticing that you can actually feel it from both sides. So you can feel your chest under your hand And you can feel your hand on your chest. 
And just noticing what does that feel to have a warm hand on your chest. Okay, so another one, now putting both hands over your chest. And again, just listening, listening to your body. What's that like? Does that make a difference? Now, leaving one hand on your chest and putting one hand over your belly and just feeling into that. What's that like? And your body will tell you what it likes and what it doesn't so much. Now putting both hands over your belly. And now holding one hand with your other hand, that might look like your normal meditation posture actually. <laughs> this is a nice one to do in public because nobody knows that you're actually holding your own hand in support. And then the last one just to try is hugging yourself. So giving yourself a hug. And we often actually do that automatically when we feel lonely or scared. So what's that like? And then maybe as the very last one, <laughs> you want to try something that just comes to your mind. So try something else, maybe holding your face with your hands or holding your head. And obviously you can experiment with this more. And so now we're moving into this, what um, Kristen Neff and Christopher Germa call the mindful self-compassion break. So these three steps that I talked about earlier can be combined into a short practice, or obviously all the elements can be practiced over a longer stretch of time. So I want to invite you to use the supportive touch that you found the most helpful for our um, self-compassion practice. And another thing before we're going into this, what is very important is that um, 
we are not practicing self-compassion to make the pain go away, but because there is pain. Very important. Pain in itself is enough for compassion. Compassion is not the fix to make it all better. But just pain in itself deserves compassion. So now bringing to mind a mildly painful moment. Maybe you do have actually pain right now, maybe physical pain in your body. Or something that was mildly painful, maybe earlier today or yesterday. Please do not choose something really big right now. We build with this practice. And so just starting with the first step, becoming aware of this pain. It can also be a situation that is over and that was painful. You can revisit that. And the mindfulness step or part is stating that, yes, this hurts. This is painful. So we stop pretending that this was really painful. And just letting the truth of that sink in. That hurts. And then, now in the second step, we are opening to our brothers and sisters who have gone through the same thing, who are experiencing the same thing. And so find a phrase and be quite specific. I mean, you could just say like, pain is part of being a human being, but to me that is too generic. For me it's really helpful to be very specific, to say like, yes, and this is what it feels like. And then for yourself, fill in, what is that? This is what it feels like for a woman to have cancer, but this is what it feels like. For somebody having just lost a parent or a partner.
This is what it feels like. There's nothing wrong with that. It is not a mistake that I feel that way. This is just what it feels like. It's not personally. And then now the last step, so thinking about what word, what sentence, what gesture will be helpful for you. Could be something like, may I be kind to myself? May I not close down? Or this too shall pass. Or I love you just the way you are. Or saying that to myself, and I love myself just the way I am. So, and we will practice in silence for a couple of minutes now. And start to make use of this. So when there's pain, you can practice self-compassion. You can infuse the awareness, the mindfulness with self-compassion. And you'll notice that it actually makes it easier to stay with it.
So what came up in the interviews a lot over the last couple of days was that many of you discover that you are kind of um, one of these Russian dolls, those babushkas, where you just open one and then there's a smaller one in it and you open that and there's a smaller one in it and then get smaller and smaller. And um, you might have encountered a younger version of you or you might have encountered that the pain is carried by, or some of the pain, and also some of the joy, but usually we talk more about the pain, is carried by a younger version of you. And so the instructions for that is, uh, or are that we can send loving kindness to that younger version, that depending on how old you are, that confused teenager, or like even a younger child that hurt, and um, younger child feeling lonely, feeling abandoned, feeling not understood. And we can reach to that younger version of ourselves to um, extend the hand of compassion. So and it can be very helpful, and it's not splitting our personalities, but it can actually feel sometimes really like I'm back like feeling like 10 years old or even younger. So the loving-kindness practice and especially the self-compassion practice can be very helpful for that. And again, as we're not practicing compassion in order to fix, to fix it, but in order to be there for the pain, because the pain is worthy of compassion. And so as you're walking through your day practicing that or um, we haven't really given instruction how to practice the loving kindness during the day. So one way is if you're practicing straight loving kindness to maybe start a session with five or ten minutes of loving kindness. So as we've done in the progression here, you could start with a friend and then turn the loving kindness to yourself And then over the next couple of days, we will explore more the other categories of loving kindness, which are more neutral people, challenging people, and then all beings. So practicing that in um, just a couple of times a day can be very sweet and can be very supportive. Because what we really want is um, we want to infuse our mindfulness practice with loving-kindness, right? So when we're cultivating loving-kindness, why we're doing this, we're really cultivating here, while on the other hand, we're just observing. And what we're doing is we are cultivating this so we can be better with that, right? You probably have noticed that the more kindness, the more friendliness, the more benevolence there is when you are encountering, and especially the challenging moments, the easier it is to just be with it without having to change it. So that's really what we're doing. Yeah. So, thank you.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.